The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So Proverbs chapter 18 today, we're going to look at something that I'm sure you've heard several times, and I, I don't want to skip things in Scripture just because it's something you've heard preached before. We're going to talk about our words. We're going to talk about uh, what our words mean from Proverbs 18. And so we'll look down at chapter 18, starting in verse 4. Proverbs 18, starting in verse 4, the Bible says, The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom is as flowing brook. Uh, verse 6 says, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. A fool's mouth, verse 7, a fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Verse 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down in the intermo- into the innermost parts of the belly. Now, I'll just look real quickly at these verses again to give an idea of the different aspects of the words in the mouth and things that are obviously being used. Verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are as a deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. The man's mouth, it's deep, there's a lot to it, a lot. You can learn about somebody, and uh, great, especially in wisdom, there's a lot in if they use wisdom. Uh, verse 6, though, a fool's lips. Now, please understand, um, this one talks more about, uh, actually, the heart of the fool than it does his words. But we see that the fool's lips will enter into contention, desiring to be fighting. And his mouth will always call for strokes, calls for conflict. That is the fool. A fool is someone who not only is frustrated, but they're, they're calling, they're always causing strife. They're going around people, behind people's back, causing, calling for grief. That is a biblical fool. For 70, fool's mouth is his destruction. His lips are the snare of his soul. Ultimately, uh, the words in his mouth and the things that come out are going to ultimately be his damage or the, her damage, his or her damage. Verse 8, the words of a tailbearer are his wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. We can talk about the idea of the words can be as wounds as he looks at. So these four verses specifically talk about the words, our tongue, our thoughts. It really goes down deeper than that, as we know words always do. So I'm going to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk a little bit about our words. And in a moment, I got some things written down here that, from other passages that will help us to get an understanding of words in general. I'm really going to use these four verses and kind of just talk about the idea of our words. And I'm going to start with just asking this question and kind of an introductory thought at this point. You ever wondered why? You know, some people, they get frustrated. Why do they lash out? Um, why is it? You know, you meet some people, it's almost like every time you talk to them, they're, they're gossiping, they're complaining. They're, their words are just, they're critical, and it's, it's overwhelming. It can be grievous. And you got some people, that's not normal for them. And every once in a while, it's like, man, what happened? Now, the person that's normal, you get to know somebody, and they're constantly like, they kind of encourage you, uh, don't let them be heavily influential in your lives. Be careful uh, that they don't influence you because you will become who you hang around with. Can Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't say, well, I don't 100% agree, but at some point they will influence you. You will become like them. Uh, we want to encourage them. I know, well, I'll try to make them better. And maybe, but that's the thing you're looking for is are we encouraging them to Jesus? My experience is that sometimes they're encouraged, they're great if they want help. A lot of times you find they, that critical person kind of shoves away anybody who'd want to point them towards Jesus. Why? Because the critical heart is where it starts. It doesn't start with my lips, it starts with my heart. So, but sometimes you wonder why. In today's day and age, I'm telling you, our lips and our words, they're just a little more volatile than we normally, I shouldn't say that, Northeast is, the world's only like that anyway, but this last year has just exasperated that. Last night, 
Uh, I was in a lobby of a restaurant and on the TV screen was the election. And one gentleman started talking about uh, he did not like the news network that it was on and he was mocking them as being just flat out and then dishonest and then frankly I agreed with them. Another gentleman in the lobby jumped in and the three of us are having a, a very pro-conservative conversation. There's a gentleman waiting to pick up his food and it's pretty clear he, by just look, he wasn't, and I could be wrong, I'm, I'm reading into it, but looked like he, he didn't want to be part of our conversation, two different points of view. But one of the things that caught my attention is we're sitting there, we're smiling, we're laughing, we're talking about our point of view, and uh, but how easily in the wrong scenario that could have turned into contention if someone wanted it to. And our lips, what our what our lips did is they shared our view, shared our frustration. And uh, but I'm hearing you know how some of the crazy things that take place and how our words these come out harshly. And why? Well, we're frustrated right now. And this time of day, we're frustrated. Many people are struggling with fear. Um, uncertainty, Lord, why are you allowing this? Why is it going this way? Why aren't, why aren't you giving us? But there's just so many whys, to be honest with you. And, and I've looked through scripture as I've thought about this and I've seen so many times where people follow God. I think about Abraham where he left and God said, I don't even have a place for, I mean, I know where you're going, but you won't until I tell you're there. He journeyed and journeyed and journeyed, never knowing the end game never knowing where. Now, he was blessed greatly because of it, but he had to continue to journey, not even knowing if tomorrow will be the day I arrive. And I reflected a little bit on that, thinking to myself, sometimes we, we look at where we're at and everything's, it's like the wave of the sea in James. You know, we, we just wonder, is there stability? Well, our stability's in Jesus. He hasn't changed. He's not going to move. And that helps our heart. And so I think the first thing we have to realize is that our words are just a reflection of that, a reflection of our heart. And so in today's day and age, frustration can breed, well, it breeds, uh, breeds words that we probably shouldn't say. I'm not talking about it's just the culture. Let me encourage you in that one, just a kind of a side verse. I didn't actually write down in here, but it, it, where the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Let me encourage you. Find the best way you can to recognize the scenario and do what we can to use our words to alleviate problems instead of create problems. And that's going to be our neighbors, going to be people around us, but it's going to be in church, it's going to be in family. And I mean, we're getting to the holidays, and a lot of governors are saying, you what you can't do. It's easy for us in the time we're supposed to be lifted up and COVID cases are rising and all these things, this can get worse. Keep in God and let your words be an encouragement this year. Let me give you four, five thoughts that I wrote down. I'm not going to say these are going to be epiphanies to anybody, but both are great reminders of our tongue and things we can use with it. So what are some things about our words? One, understand our words are very, very powerful. James chapter 3, verse 5 says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is a tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It's amazing. Now, remember we look at these, these scriptures. This is not someone's opinion. Well, I don't think this is true. This is divine information from God to us. What does he say about this? How great a matter can a little fire grow how damage, damage can our tongue do? It, it, and our tongue, it defiles the member and it's set on fire from the hell. Our tongue can be used from the, it's from the pits of hell, some of the things that we use our words for. We can tame beasts and we can tame serpents and we can, uh, things of the sea, but we cannot tame our tongue. Let me be honest, he's giving, he's not saying, ah, maybe possibly this is the truth. It's a small thing, but it's powerful. Remember, it's just a, it's just a muscle in our body. 
it shows a lot about the heart of mankind in this verse. But it also shows how powerful our tongue can be, our words can be. Our words can be extremely powerful in hurting people. Our words can be extremely powerful in helping people. Simply put, our words are not just words. It's not just, well, let me give you my opinion, or just that, or just that. And those things aren't wrong, but boy, may we be careful when we share thoughts that we're not through a, you know, kind of a side mark trying to pull people down or think that I have to say this. Uh, years ago, um, I think we were in college and my, at that time, fiance came to me. She was in a class and, and she thought it was great that the teacher of the class had mentioned, we was talking about the words and, and, and the things we say. And, and there's a rule that she had lived by. It's not new to her. Not, you probably heard this, but a rule that was used that if I'm going to say something, I, I make a point that one of these three things are true. First of all, if I'm going to say something, is it true? Obviously, if it's not true, I don't say it, which means I'm not saying, well, I think it's true because if I heard this, make sure, you know, don't speak something unless you know it's true. Is it kind? You know, well, I'm going to tell that person how ugly they are, and that shows how kind so they can fix it. Well, sometimes we do, you know, it's not always true. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is what I'm going to say helpful? Is it necessary? Because sometimes, that's where we, what was the other day we talked about the idea that even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. There are things I see and my mind runs through, well, what's true? Kind, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Is it necessary? No. And in those occasions, through wisdom, I remain silent. And that is a great effective use of my words. Uh, words are powerful. Number two, words are revealing. James chapter 3, verse 9 says, Therewith bless we God. Think about this. He's making a comparison about our words. He goes, Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. He said, out of the same mouth, the same person proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. As a fountain sent forth to the same place sweet bitter and sweet water and bitter. He simply said, listen, we have come as a church where I'll bless God today and then I'll criticize my Christian love, a Christian friend tomorrow. That shouldn't be. You can't do both. Simply put, one of those is fake. If I'm not right with my Christian brethren, I'm causing grief and I'm using my tongue and my, my words to be critical. I'm not right with God. It's a fact. You can argue, you can say, Pastor, I disagree. It's biblical. You can't. If you're not, if you're using your tongue in a critical nature, you're not right with God. You can't have both. Just look at the scripture. These things ought not so to be. A fountain doesn't send forth both. You can't have both because it digs down deep to the heart. And what we see is my words reveal my struggle. Sometimes it's frustration, discouragement. Sometimes it's a heart that needs to get right with God. Who cares about other people? Get right with God and let God deal with that. Number three, they can be damaging. Boy, I tell you what, our words, if we're not careful, can be massively damaging. And you know what? There are times when I, in my life, and probably all of us agree, through a sport or through something silly or trying climbing a tree, anything we do with kids, we've got some injuries or scars, some silly things that we did growing up that, you know, I look back in the memories of just life, you know, I played sp some sports and, you know, you know, trying to ride a motorcycle, skateboarding, I tried that at one point, didn't last very long, but, you know, those things can leave scars, nothing wrong with that. Frankly, I don't remember most of those, I look down to a scar, hey, I don't remember where that came from. 
But there are times the words that were said, those are hard to forget. It's amazing how powerful and how damaging they can be. But you know what? Words can also be helpful and encouraging. Ephesians 4 verse 29, let know. Remember I've said in the New Testament, when you see the word let, it is an imperative. So understand what we see here is God commanding through Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus, giving us a command of the church today. Let not, do not let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. He said, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Now, let me understand the word edifying. Edifying doesn't always mean empty, all right? Sometimes I'm told to go to people, we've known James, I'm going to them and pull them out of sin and be honest with them, uh, you know, what does it say? Faithful of the wounds of a friend. So edifying doesn't always just mean kind, friendly, fluffy stuff. Sometimes it means that I, I'm not going to be honest, but I do it to help them, encourage them. But here's the point. I'm not letting corrupt communication out. What he's talking about is there's corrupt communication, then there's edifying. And corrupt communication is my way to pull people down. So sometimes edifying means I need to be honest with someone so I can help them get right and grow. I need to do it with my kids and people around me. The Bible tells the preachers to reprove, rebuke, exhort. So there's a lot in there that edifying comes under. But that's a grave difference from corrupt. Corrupt is something, it's a cancerous, it's rust, it's the same idea. I talk about it and I'm just going to destroy the person I'm talking to. I'm going to hurt the person I'm talking about. And more ultimately, I'm going to destroy and hurt the cause of Christ in that group. Maybe in that church, in that person I'm with. None of it's helpful. None of it's healthy. It's flat out sin because God commanded us not to do it. And back in Proverbs, a fool's lip enter into contention, verse 6, and his mouth calleth for strokes. That, it's the fool that does this thing. But you know what to say that it may minister grace into the here. I love the word grace, unmerited favor, as I like to say it, giving somebody something they don't deserve, which means someone may say something to me, and man, you know what they deserve? They deserve me to give them a piece of their mind. A piece of my mind. I'm not even saying that right. Sorry. <laughs> you know my point? I, they were mean. I have a right to be mean back, and the world says that. God says, I offer grace. I have a right, humanly speaking, or frustration, whatever, and people would understand my frustration with me voicing frustration. No, God says, listen, it takes the Holy Spirit, but offer grace. They're rough, respond differently. Boy, it's not easy to do, but it's what God asks. You know what? We can be helpful, we can be encouraging, but you know also the tongue is, the tongue has eternal value. Whatever I say can last to eternity. I can say something that will drive people from God because of my critical, angry heart, or I can say things that drive people to God. I can encourage people who grew up in church and not want anything to do with church, or I can encourage them to love God because they see people who love God. My lips, my actions, what they hear me say says everything about me. You can, you, we can put on a front, but only so long, and the younger generation sees it. Our, we, our lips, what we say about other people, what we say about Jesus, what we say about church, the pastoral, is it driving the next generation to Jesus, or, is it, or staying in our kinds of churches, or like, I want nothing to do with it, or I want to get out? What is it doing? Are they encouraging people? Let me tell you, let me tell you this. I, we used to do this with teenagers and little and kids in elementary chapel all the time, where we would say things like, listen, hey, we've given you a lesson, now here's some thoughts. Go do these things. Let me encourage you today. Find a way today, whether at work, whether with a loved one, at home, or church tonight. Let me encourage you. Find a way to edify some, encourage somebody. Use your words to help somebody today. You have no idea. Ask God, God, who can I help today? Who would you want me to use to help somebody today? Do it. Find a way just to do something. You know, if you go through a drive-thru, encourage them. Find a way. Hey, good job. Thank you. Something. Uh, use your words today 
to encourage people. Just see how it would work. And maybe through all of that, God will use someone else's words to encourage you today. May that be we all we Here's my thinking. If we're looking for ways to encourage people, then we'll find them. If we're looking for ways to be critical, our heart naturally becomes critical. We naturally run towards the negative. This is our chance to look, and if our minds, whichever things are pure, lovely, all that in Philippians 4, 8, we find. Let me encourage you to do that today.